The Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Hunted, the home of recruitment. If you're a recruiter that's currently weighing up your options at the moment and you have no idea what your future looks like, you need to get yourself a profile on Hunted. It's the best place to view opportunities that are exclusive to recruiters like you. You can apply to jobs anonymously and even talk directly with hiring managers. You can filter brands based on what's important to you, and they've even recently included an actively hiring now badge to make it very easy and simple for you to see and find what businesses, what agencies are hiring today. There are hundreds, I'm talking hundreds of companies on Hunted who each have all of their career information in one place and it's so easy to see, uh, use and find out what these companies offer. So rather than going between Google, various company websites, social media accounts and countless LinkedIn profiles, you need to get yourself to hunted.com for the best jobs in recruitment. It's as simple as that. If you're an employer and you're hiring, you want to get in front of some of the best talent in the industry and you listen to this podcast, if you're listening to this ad, then that is you, then I've got a special discount code for you. You can get a huge 25% discount of Hunted's annual subscription by using Rollercoaster25. That is Rollercoaster25. Get yourself to hunter.com forward slash employer. Inquire about making a profile. You need to get on there. And when you do, make sure you use the referral code. And if you're a recruiter, make sure you set yourself up a profile because it is a no-brainer. Get yourself on hunter.com. Enjoy the episode. So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name's Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today I'm joined by Connor Hay, who is the team lead or a team lead at Org3D, who are a specialist uh, recruitment agency that operate in data and analytics. Uh, Connor currently manages a small team of three, including himself, and has been in recruitment for just over 18 months. So uh, Connor, excited to, to talk and uncover your story so far. Um, I think I must just say that, obviously how we got to this point, Connor, sort of proactively reached out, said, look, been listening to the podcast and would love to just talk a bit about some of the things that I've done, learned, et cetera, over the last, um, obviously, year and a half. And um, look, I think it's so important to not, for me, there's no benchmark to get involved in this podcast, right? So like for me, it's just so important to give um, people like you where you're on your career to sort of say how it's going, what you've learned, blah, 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 because there'll be a lot of people that listen to this that... Um, are where you are or even before right um and definitely if you're someone that has the right mindset you should have the mindset that you can learn from anyone <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> do, Absolutely. do you know what i mean i think it's so important so um super excited to sort of unpack the last 18 months obviously i know that when we initially spoke you was on furlough and you've been back for a couple of weeks so it'd be good to we'll definitely cover sort of that experience because i think a lot of people can relate to that but where I always like to start on this podcast, Connor, is how 
did Conahay enter the world of recruitment? Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, good starting place. And thanks for having me on, uh, Hisham. It's really good uh, to, to, to be a part of this. This podcast has, has helped me um, in many ways during my 18 months. I'm sure we can come on to that as well. But um, yeah, in terms of my journey into recruitment, I um, probably rather uniquely, I don't know if you've ever had anyone on your podcast who used to be or trained to be a Catholic priest before. No, <laughs> <Definitely> <laughs> I, suspected, not. I suspected that might be the answer. <laughs> but yeah, that was my former path uh, post-university. I was trained to be a Catholic priest in Rome. And oh my I, God. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great in many ways. You know, the pizza, the wine, um, met some good friends. But yeah, I've been, been trying to shake off the weight, like for the, still trying to do it now. So <laughs> Rome is like, if you don't have much restraint on food and drink, it's not the place to live. But uh, <laughs> it was super fun um, while it lasted. And yeah, just like decided that wasn't the right thing for me. And um, I think really, actually, um, what helped me make my choice was when I went to see the rector, um, I was going to say if anyone knows who the rector is, but um, <laughs> rector is a word you don't get, doesn't get thrown around much, right? So just to just to kind of clue you in on that, the rector is kind of like the headmaster of like the priest training college, so to speak. Uh, I don't think he'd thank me for giving him that summary, but that's like effectively what he does. He's like there for discipline. And anyway, I went to see him, said, oh, look, um, you know, I want to leave. And he said to me, it's only right when you're making a big choice in life to seek the wisdom of a lot of people. Um, and he mainly said that because we were supposed to be going on this retreat next week and he wanted me to stay and to see if I was going <laughs> to decide to stay in Rome. So, but I thought that that was good advice, actually, and I took that into my job hunt. So I know like loads of people fall into recruitment, um, but that wasn't me, really. I think I, I took some time to consider, like, a, what am I going to be happy doing? And B, like what matches up with my with my skill set? Um, and I thought I took that advice from the rector of like speak to loads of different people, get a feel of jobs. Um, yeah, it's the most natural thing for me to have done would have been to teach. It's a bit of a joke that like most people who drop out of the priesthood they go into teaching because most of the time in seminary it's not spent like uh, you know learning to do funerals or baptisms. It's spent studying really. So okay. <laughs> teaching was the most natural path, but. Um, I think that was a good lesson in itself, actually, not just to follow like what's expected. I, I think that was a good thing for me to take some time and to, to work stuff out. So, yeah, I spoke to like loads of different people, got a feel of jobs. Recruitment popped up because one of my friends did it for like a year. He did fall into it just for some money. And I said, fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, that is one up shot. But uh, yeah, he gave me a bit of a picture. So I added that to kind of my catalogue of jobs. Right. <laughs> and, um, just thought I'd really explore everything, really. And yeah, I think why I landed on recruitment to actually pursue it was really looking at, yeah, what skill set do I have and what will I enjoy? So skill set wise, um, I, I guess it was really the ability to kind of communicate with other people, to understand people's problems and situations. Like a lot of training we got in Rome was like understanding people's positions and trying to provide a solution as well um, in many ways, um, obviously in a very different way, but it was still like the same kind of skills. So that appealed to me. And I also just liked the idea that recruitment was like meritocratic. Um, it was competitive. I've been quite competitive, played a lot of sport. Um, used to be an Irish dancer as well, <laughs> played a lot of cricket. Um, so yeah, I've, I've done some odd things in my life. But yeah, I, was, I used to do Irish dance for quite a while. So all that stuff appealed to me. And then, yeah, got, went through a great rec to rec. And she got me three interviews at recruitment companies. And that was really like when I started to discover what it was like, I guess, really about, <laughs> to mm -hmm. be honest, in those interviews and those interview processes. So, yeah, I, I had those three interviews and they all progressed at a kind of similar speed. And, yeah, I landed on Org3D. And I'm, I'm really glad I did, to be fair. <laughs> nice. OK. Interesting story. Thank you for sharing. Definitely unique. Yeah, for um, sure. No, but... <laughs> but um, I love that. I think um, I think you're completely right. I think what I love that you said about that is basically you empathy, right? Being empathetic, being able to understand people's different situations, listen. So I totally understand why that's a skill set that you probably had to to grow and um, um, become better with if you were training to be a priest. Because uh, I'm pretty sure you've got to be a good listener, and yeah, you've got to help people sort of see where they can solve their problems or whatever, right? So I really like that. That's cool. So, um, okay then. So very quickly, what, so Org3D, what, what, so I guess just in, out of interest, why did you 
what sort of drew you to them, would you say, out of the other two businesses? And what sort of helped you make that decision? Yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, so I think there were a couple of things. I think firstly, like it was quite nice, actually, just in general, that I was going through those processes at the same time. Um, so I was kind of getting to a similar stage where I could assess them um, kind of on like an even keel, I guess. Um, so Org3D, as you mentioned, we do a lot in... Um, data analytics we also have a team who does cyber security as well but like yeah fast growth technology really um there was another company who did something similar um and then the third company did like um, they were more established and they did a lot in the insurance sector um, but i think for all 3d for me there was a couple of like key things um a big one for me was um the size of the company um I mean, it would put some people off they were only I think five people, I was the sixth, the first external hire for them. Um, a lot of them came from um, a previous recruitment company. They'd all worked together. Uh, but I quite liked that. Like for me, like the startup feel and being able to be a part of something and to grow something. Um, of course, it's always like riskier for sure. But I think that really appealed to me. Um, a second thing that like stood out was the training. Like my bosses were huge on like the training I was going to get. Also, because it was so small. I could like really tap into their knowledge and I knew that was going to be key because I was so conscious that like I knew absolutely nothing about recruitment in the, yeah, I, I didn't know anything. I had no experience. So I was so conscious of like, yeah, the, the potential for me to be really bad at it. And I, I really wanted to be able to have people I could learn from. Learn from, yeah. Um, yeah. And not only just like my directors actually, like because we were so small then, our investor, um, he's been a great mentor to me. I managed to get quite a lot of time with him and he successfully grew a recruitment company and he invests in recruitment businesses now and he stayed a good mentor for me but had I not joined them at that time it would have been more difficult to establish that relationship so I think those were two key things one final thing to quickly mention I think is the vision I think that's super important like I really bought into the vision of the directors they articulated it so passionately it was something I bought into and I think that was key for me like if I was going to give it my all because let's face it recruitment's not not easy um it, it kind of you know there's a lot of there's a lot of down days as well as the up days. And I think, yeah, you really need something that you believe in to drive you in those times. So I think the vision that we had at Org3D, the growth plans, um, which are still still standing and still going and have gone well you know, so far, pre-kind um, of lockdown and things. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of really helped me as well, buying into what they believed in and the agenda that, that they had. Mm, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Okay. So how were... Uh... Your first couple of months in recruitment? <laughs> first couple of months were actually like performance wise, like not great. I'm not going to lie. How long uh, did it take you to make your first placement? It was. So um, it was four, four months in. Four really? Months in. It was, yeah. No, in fact, sorry, no. I was supposed to have something going to April and um, she, I was in Morocco on holiday, I think. Yeah. And she, and she pulled out. <laughs> so we actually, my first placement was in May. Yeah, I was. I mean, of course, it was the right thing for her, right? So it was cool, but yeah. Um, So five months? Yeah, five months of like, my interviews were were good, my CV sends, like we were, you know, lots of stuff happening. But in short, I had had 11 final interviews go down um, in four months, 11 finals on offers that didn't work out. So I'm kind of like quite glad I had that introduction, um, to be honest. It like really taught me a lot in terms of mental resilience and mindset and also i think it turned out that first year turned out to be a bit bit of a metaphor for recruitment because i had 11 finals go down no placements and then in may i build 55 and a half k cheers which yeah which was (laughs) out of the gate so i mean yeah that was like uh you know that outweighed big time the all that you know struggle we've gone through and then yeah the rest of the year went like really really well and better than i could have ever imagined so yeah, the first few months were like really, really tricky, like just because of lack of results and the mental challenge that brings, especially when you're starting something new and you just want to impress big time and you just feel like you're not bringing anything to let's the just, Let's just talk about that because I think that's relatable to someone that's more years down the line and they have a bit of a tough spell, which happens. Like, how do you get through those months? Like, it's the mental part, right? It is. It's you doubting yourself like, fuck, I'm, like, should I even be in this job? Um, is this ever going to change? You have the self-doubt that ends up sort of coming through in your phone calls. You're not as confident. So like, how did you, what was the things that really helped you get through that tough patch? 
Yeah, no, I think if you've hit something there, yeah, you know, whether you're new or whether you're seasoned, you know, you're always going to have those <laughs> those difficult patches. Uh, I think you're right. The self doubt um, creeps in big time. So for me, it was it was a few things really. I think to summarise. Um, one of them was was really doing a lot of work on my mindset, actually. I think like just like you work out your body, like working out your mind and your mindset is something that's really important. And that's actually helped me and continues to help me a lot now. Um, so I took took advice of a lot of people in terms of reading, uh, books to read, things that helped me, all that kind of stuff. Um, what books what, what books really impacted yeah, you? Yeah, there there's been some really good ones over the last 18 months. I think during that time, um the first book i read actually was quite probably a stark introduction to reading it was the 10x rule by grant cardone oh wow well, nice <laughs> and given like i'd never read a, a like a yeah it's been book, pretty intense that book it, it's a pretty big shift from the bible you know <laughs> 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 so i was i was hit like a storm like oh my goodness you know what what's going on here well but, had you only I, ever read the bible before that <laughs> yeah that was it no no i'm joking oh, right, <laughs> no, i was gonna say <laughs> no no not at all but i certainly hadn't read like any like um self-development guess, like, yeah any self-development yeah, yeah. books outside of like a religious okay content. so 10x grand cardone yeah start of a bang what well, did that help you or was there any other books that really helped 10x helped uh there was a book called um there's a book called the power of now as well which yes. i know you like um yeah. my my boss um helped me and introduced me to that um and yeah, because I think like that was a big thing for me. You touched on the self-doubt before. Um, for me, it wasn't as much like self-doubt. That was there, but a big factor for me, and I think hits a lot of people really hard. I, I see it a lot, and I think it's people who have high standards. They're usually people who achieve well, but they're also people, or can be people who are very hard on themselves. On themselves yeah. and I was so hard on myself in my first year, like really hard on myself. I remember my investor... Uh, when we were chatting and he sat down to me and he was like, look, he's like, you have to snap out of this or you're never going to enjoy it. He's like, if you, you know, I'd achieve more than I thought I could. Yeah. All I was focusing on was like the one big placement that dropped out. or dropped what out, yeah. that. So when you start focusing on the negatives, that was like a real big thing to overcome as well. Cause yeah, in recruitment, they're always going to be there. And if you choose to focus your time and attention on them, <clears throat> you're going to be screwed mentally. So yeah, the power of now was actually a really, really good book. Yeah, nice. I really enjoyed that. That helped, that, helped me. that helped me a lot with mindset as well. And then, so then anything else that you did or continue to do now that sort of has become sort of non-negotiable for you, maybe habits or sort of your own personal rituals that have just sort of helped you mentally with the sort of pitfalls, the ups and downs? <clears throat> yeah, so I think, I mean, my, my habits have changed. They've changed a lot for the better over the last 18 months. Um, I'm actually currently doing the miracle morning you know oh, nice. rock, if you come across that so yeah, yeah. myself and my boss are doing a 30-day challenge so i'm actually taking a lot out of that so that's kind of my new routine but i think in general just like over the last 18 months things that are non-negotiable that have helped certainly the reading so i read every day um i mean i looked like quite an academic background before so i quite like reading and learning um <clears throat> seeking feedback as well that's like a habit that i really really try to look at particularly like my first year but even now it's like you can always be learning so much off other people and i think that comes from like it feels it feels ironic sometimes to say oh i'm a humble person because by nature it's like it seems a bit weird but what i mean by that is like i recognize that there's no way i can do this by myself like mm. i recognize the need for help um so that's a big thing for me but yeah in terms of habits always feed my mind with positivity in the morning that's key my mornings have become super key um always feed my mind with positivity um exercise as well so when gyms are open i'm using the gym in the morning at the moment i'm getting lots of walking done but that just gives me like clarity of mind um and kind of just gives me time to to really have some time for myself as well before the day kicks in um, yeah and then finally probably just getting my diary in order like in the morning that's become like sacrosanct now in the morning it's like yeah because otherwise you can be like oh, i'll do it after the meeting i'll do it after then the call comes in and before you know it. it's like midday and you're like got no direction yeah yeah, yeah yeah positivity exercise and getting like a good structure then for the rest of the day are like they've been pretty okay. present love that so um last thing that then on the and then we'll talk about sort of the shift and, and what went on after those five months but sort of looking back knowing what you know now what what would you say to Connor before you entered those five months? You think what would you say? 
<clears throat> Good question. I mean, I think in one way I wouldn't change anything that happened because yeah. I learned so much from the mistakes. Like, I learned a lot more from the mistakes than I did from the wins. But I think if I was to give myself some advice that would have made me significantly better, I think it would have been first, as I just touched on, would be go easier on yourself because I mm. think mentally I was I was draining myself like every day, like fretting about you know <laughs> nothing happening or, or nothing positive or nothing I perceived as positive happening because I was so focused on the short term and the results, and that's a big thing for me now. Is I always look at the big picture and the long term, and I know things will work themselves out if you trust in a repeatable process that you know works things will work out in the long run. And that's what happened over the course of the year. But in those five months, I was mentally draining myself. Um, so yeah, that's another thing I'd say, trust in, trust in the process. Don't panic and go off course. Because when I was new, especially, it was like, oh, it's either me or the process. And, you know, sometimes you start doing your own thing and trying to make other stuff happen. And I think it's just like back to basics and go that, particularly like when you're kind of early on. And I think third and finally, something I'd say to myself is, I'm still working on this now. Uh, again, I've got a good book on this actually, but it's like learning to be uncomfortable. I think that was the big thing, like trying to just be confident and know that growth comes from being uncomfortable. I think that's the key thing because that holds you back from so much that can make you so successful and to help you achieve your goals. So yeah, those are the three yeah, things. Amazing. So ju- just just for context, five months, so, so what, your sixth Oh, your fifth month was May, where you obviously build fifty over fifty k. So you're you're is this perm, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So then, just for context, and then we'll talk a bit and we'll uncover sort of the first year, what changed, etc. But like, what did you then end up finishing year one on in terms of billions wise? Yeah. So I finished on one hundred and seventy four in year one. Um, okay. My target was um, my initial target was sixty seven and a half, but then I hit that in month six, and that went to seventy five. So I finished, yeah, I finished two, three, two percent um, of target, and finished top revenue generator in the company as well, which I was super really? happy with my first year. Yeah, I was super happy with that my first year. So <laughs> yeah, honestly, that that's amazing, right? And, and I think it's, I think that's just the prime, as you said, the perfect metaphor of recruitment, right? <laughs> honestly, yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just talk, like, what what changed? Do you think? Like, if you think, I don't know, was there a moment where it was like, I'll just get it? Because you do have those sort of moments where things click or, as you said, you was trusting in the process. But what what do you think changed? It's a good question. Um, I don't think there was like a light switch moment where I was like, right, I've, you know, I've got this nailed. Um, you know, I still have, I mean, I've had a good year this year as well, but like self-doubt um, still creeps in sometimes, right, when you're having those little patches. But I think I really learned, yeah, to to trust in the process. We've gone over that, but that that was a real big thing for me. It was like once, it was almost like the floodgates opened and May was like boom, boom, boom. And I was like, right, you know, this hasn't just come from something I've done in the last week or the last two weeks. It's come from the fact that, you know, I've been doing the right things consistently for enough period of time that, you have to be, I think in the long term, if you do the right things over a long period of time, you have to be unlucky um, to to kind of not at least do okay. So that was one thing. I think the second thing, though, was like, I just really, really read like a lot of books and absorbed really? a lot of content. Yeah, and just absorbed a lot of content. Like, even if you don't like reading, because sometimes people say, oh, they don't like reading. It's like, well, that's fair enough. But there's like audio books, there's YouTube, there's like, there's even videos on LinkedIn, there's webinars, there's like whatever you want to tap into, it's there to tap into. Um, and I think I just really, really like became almost obsessed with consuming content about sales, not just recruitment, but just about sales and just about mindset. And I think that helped me a lot as well. Um, and there was some like specific sales, I guess, sales people I looked at. I looked a lot at Grant Cardone and he he did help me actually kind of he's wacky right and you know some people hate him but love him or hate him he he has a lot to offer i believe and he really taught me the idea of just 10x in activity and just allowed me to to think right well what's actually possible because his output is crazy and i thought i was doing okay so really helped me just raise my levels and raise my bar actually um and there was a couple of other like sales you know um kind of videos and people i watched as well so i think that was a big thing was learning and development 
trusting in the process and just becoming, yeah, becoming more, putting myself in situations that I used to back out of, <laughs> I think. Like what? If I'm being honest. Like, it sounds stupid to say, like, as a recruiter now, like, it, it wasn't like I was scared of the phone, but for example, like, putting in the extra hard yards of actually doing the headhunt calls, like, actually ringing up decision makers and following up on emails and cold calling and, you know, doing all that stuff. It's like, you can get away with not doing it sometimes and people do they'll just like send out a message and you might find one or two people but i just learn or try to just really the more uncomfortable i got i found the more results that i was getting really um, yeah yeah like and again yeah i know I, I, I think that's true i think the more you can make yourself uncomfortable um in the kind of sales environment yeah, the more it helps me just kind of repeat that in the future it's always hardest the first time you do something but i think yeah the more conversations i put myself into the more i asked for referrals the more i cold called you know because one of my biggest clients like he's um a company based in the us it was one of my first um it was one of my first cold calls i remember my boss being like he'd replied to a linkedin message that's how we like went about new business then we've changed a lot of our processes since then it's been part of the journey being a startup but remember my boss saying i'll just give him a call and i was like yeah yeah sure and i was like oh my gosh this guy (laughs) a title that was like ceo i was like oh my goodness me he was president before of this huge company as well and i rang him it was like the worst start ever because i was like hi is this dave and my voice was probably like quivering Mm. to be honest and he was like hey man he's like are you in a cave are you in a cave (laughs) I was like, oh, I was like, the signal was so bad. He's like, call me back. So I'm like crapping it because I have to go and ring the guy again and go through the whole process again. And anyway, he's he's still, and that company is still my biggest client. So I think having that experience of like, right, actually, if I do the hard things that I know I don't have to do, but if I do them, I'll be I'll do better. That mindset pushed me on for the rest of the year then. And I think having that tangible example early on of like, right, that actually led to like, you know, half my yearly target in May, more than half my yearly target, that one call. was like, if that can happen, it, it won't happen. But if that could, if I know in my head that can happen every time, I'm just going to... Why you not give yourself that Just going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? So how how did... Because I think a lot of people can read and a lot of people can... Like, there's so much information out there now, but I think you have to apply it, right? So how have you got better at sort of like... Or how have you made sure that you're not someone that just sits there and consumes content and does fuck all with it like <laughs> like do you know what i mean because i think there's so many so I, I look those the books the people like they're sort of the things that i love consuming tony robbins was one of the first people that i went to i went to unleash the power of in two years ago um and like so and like i think you can very easily just always be consuming always be looking for that sort of perfect way of doing i don't know just always looking for something that you think can solve your problem but actually it's got to be combined with a lot of action and obviously as you know if anyone listens or follows grant cardone it's all about action right so <laughs> yeah. like i don't know what what have, how have you made like what's your sort of thoughts on how have you made sure that you haven't been someone that's just taken it in and not done anything because i think a lot of people are those people yeah no i think that's i think that's really fair and it's it's very easy to do you can get swept up in the moment and then it's forgotten about and yeah kudos i, I love tony robbins as well so he's been someone else I've, I've kind of read and consumed but yeah i think i think you're right there it's like action action is key and that's what creates habits right and that's really what i think i've managed to do is cultivate some good habits i've still got plenty of you know bad ones and things i need to work on but i think that's been part of it is like for example if i consume something um a i don't expect that everything i consume is going to like you know kind of really resonate with me i think you get a couple of ideas from a book or from a video and you'll get the odd thing that really hits you so i don't try and apply everything i read i think that's the first thing it can be like way too much so i think things that really like resonate with you and that you actually think right actually that could make a difference that could help me um and then what i would do is i'd make a conscious effort because usually you know i'd listen to a book on the way into work after work and still take you a good week or two to get through it so if i picked up on an idea i really liked i'd um set part part of my goal setting in the morning would be i'm going to action that specific thing and really try and pin it down so it might be for example um i'm trying to think of something that's a good example um i guess that 
I actually had one recently. Uh, this wasn't something I read. I, it was kind of an idea, but I came up by myself. So part of the miracle morning is these like affirmations and visualization. Um, and that was like super foreign to me. I was like, this is really weird. Day one in my bedroom at five past five, like trying to like visualize my life. I, I was like, this is crazy. But um, <laughs> it did it did help in some ways. And, and, and what I took from that was <clears throat> um, like having an affirmation and having a visualization, like keeping in mind why you're doing what you're doing. I think like that really helped me, for example. So I was like, right, okay, I need to actually make sure I do that. So if on my cold call blocks now, <clears throat> as I start, and this will sound crazy to some people, but it's helping me in the short term. So <laughs> as I start, I'll, be, I'll say to myself, look, right, be grateful. I'll make some affirmations, you know, be grateful for what you've got and, and be grateful for the opportunity. And I let that fuel me. And just before someone picks up the phone, you always hear that like, and you think, right, okay, I, I'm on now, I'm here. Um, I always say to myself, um, I'm probably not going to die in my head. And then I go for it. Um, but like that's, for example, like one I idea that. I picked up was from the visualization. But like what I did was I made it my goal and I wrote it in my diary every day. So I'm going to do that. And, then I, and now it's become a habit. And now I find myself just saying it all the time. I'm like, I tried to ring my friend the other day and I started saying, be grateful. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> switch off. It's like, you know, so, so I think that's like a really key thing for action is find a couple of ideas that resonate. Yeah. Don't overwhelm yourself and dedicate, you know, a week or two to really enact in that habit and then move on. Because uh, it only takes a few weeks and then it becomes like clockwork, doesn't it? So. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, really good advice. What what's been the most impactful thing you've learned you think that's sort of helped you either in sales business development or just just in that sort of coming up to the end of that yeah you said obviously reading and, and learning you really just immerse yourself in it but anything that s- sticks out that sort of has really impacted you and has really helped <clears throat> Yeah, I think in terms in terms of the business development, and obviously, like given the current situation, that's like um, you know that's most most of my role since returning from furlough in the last few weeks has been really heavy heavy on business development, uh, which I enjoy, but nevertheless is you know it's tough it's a tough grind every day. Um, so I think yeah that that little affirmation thing I mentioned is is kind of helping me, um, but I think like a big thing for me, and it's come across in a few different books actually. I think Simon Sinek's Start with Why is one. Um, there's a book. Um, what's that? What's that book called? I think it's Mark Manson's Something I've Not Given a Fuck, something like that. But a, a good bit of different books, and like something I've really picked up actually is like like keep the why at the front of your mind. Like why are you doing this? Because I've found like you know the crap days in recruitment or weeks or months and let's face it they all they all happen and I'm only eighteen months in I'm sure you know um, people much more senior have had much more trouble in periods for longer periods of time but I think like when it gets like that it's like there are various things that help you through it but one big thing that helps me push myself and has helped me maybe make the extra calls or send the extra emails or work on the personalized video outreach or whatever it is is like right why am i doing this what's my end goal what's my dream goals and that's something actually I, i've learned is to be able to dream a lot bigger um it was very good our boss helped not helped us but he like set us on the path of trying to put together a life plan and when you're like 25 that's like really really difficult yeah, is, yeah. Uh, especially in this like environment there's so many variables right so but actually working towards that and having a clear picture right of course that might change but yeah but it's like here's what i want and if I want to get there, I know I need to do like this action or this core block or this whatever it is, that's going to help me get there. And I think that's really a big thing for me now. It's like, I'm just, everything I do, I try and do it with a purpose. I yeah, I love that. That's, so, that's, yeah. And I think if you haven't even thought about that, that's when it, you can find it really tough. Because if you're, yeah, that that's that's going to really compel you to carry on and make those difficult calls. And yeah, I, I think that, honestly, I think that's amazing that you've really been able to cultivate that mindset and think about it that way so early on um, and, and not think about it as just a job and oh, I've just got to hit my sales numbers or whatever, right? Um, okay, so let, let's talk about um, sort of going into the obviously second year and we'll segue into sort of, I'd, I'd love to definitely talk about the business development piece in, in the current market because I think a lot of people will be experiencing that. But how did you, because I know that obviously you had a really good start to this year, right? had a really good first quarter um, and then obviously coronavirus, right? 
Yeah. So um, I'm sure you was thinking 2020 is my year. Got my goals down, all that, right? Um, but you got off to a good start. What did you What did you build in your first quarter? Yeah, so I built uh, 115 in Q1. Not bad, is it? <laughs> no, it's okay. You know, and, you can't complain. <laughs> and just just quickly, and um, just for context, because I know you mentioned it, but is that all abroad? Sorry, or is it in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So, like when I first started, I was doing some stuff in the UK. So my first year, um, yeah, some of my placements in the UK. Um, but this year, it's been all in the US. So I, I've always done US and UK, and then at the end of last year, I kind of really focused all my energy and time on the US. So yeah, I, I do the US market at the moment. And what what state? So at the moment, there's um, three of us who do the US in my team, um, and we all cover the whole of the US. So we're going with like that idea of critical mass, really. Um, we do a lot in New York, you know, that's probably a big hub. But yeah, throughout the US, like there's a big, super big culture over there of hiring remotely. And so many of my customers will just say, like, I don't care where they're based. <laughs> so it's super helpful to, to have that coverage. So yeah, big old territory at the minute. <laughs> and hopefully as we grow our team, you know, that's that's going to when we're going to be able to niche down a bit further. But yeah, at the okay. minute, mainly in the US. So before we talk about sort of... Um... Yeah, how you like the 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 period of going bit going on furlough and how you sort of found that blah blah blah. Um, how is it? So what's it been like penetrating the US market? Like, what are some of the things that you've had to learn or how you've had to change your approach? Obviously, you're, you're um, um, <laughs> born in the UK, right? So, like, for like, what what are the sort of nuances that you've had to adapt to and picked up on? Like, how has that actually been? sort of um selling and building relationships and being a recruiter in the uk but for the us market yeah good question um i don't want to put a downer on the uk here i love british people but actually the us are like just super positive on the whole <laughs> of course you're always going to get like you know bad reception from from some people and you know that's just the nature of sales right but on the whole like yeah people in the us are actually really receptive um to to kind of hearing you out like opportunities and you know, BD is a bit easier. So actually, yeah, it's it's kind of... Why, why is BD a bit easier? Um, people will... Well, <laughs> twofold, <laughs> actually. Firstly, it's easier to get, like, um, contact details people in the US. They don't buy into the whole uh, GDP thing. So <laughs> Zoom Info okay. and Lusher, yeah, they're, like, really good for, for numbers. And people don't get pissed off, really, when you ring them on the whole. So, really? <laughs> yeah, no, really. Like, um, of course, like... Every week I get a handful of people who aren't too happy I've interrupted their day, which is fair enough. You know, I, I don't want my day interrupted sometimes. So I get it. Um, but yeah, on the whole, they're a bit more receptive to at least hearing you out, I find. So it's not that it's easier necessarily to convert, but it's I think it's you, easier. You, to... They normally will give you that opportunity to do like your personal pitch and why you're calling. Yeah. Yeah, they'll normally let you say who you are, why you call in, and then if they're not interested, they'll let you know. But they'll at least normally hear you out. So I think they, they have a slightly different perception or approach, maybe. Um, some stuff I've done in the UK, it's not been quite as positive um, as that on the cold cold outreach calls, right? Um, so, yeah, I found like that's actually a bit of an interesting difference, that they're a bit more receptive to hearing from you. Mm, that's interesting. And, and have you not had pushback then on, like, you're in the UK or, I don't know, like, how do you approach that? Yeah, I know. So we have, like, on the whole, no, I, I'd say. Um, most people don't don't flag it. But, yeah, certainly some companies are like, why should I work with you when there's, you know, hundreds of recruiters in New York or wherever? Mm. So I think for them... Like, the, how, do you always, handle, how do you handle that objection? Yeah, so it always falls back to me on, like, well, it's the strength of my network, right? So I've been doing, you know, the US since day one, so like 18 months, but predominantly, like, full force for, like, 12, really of like all out us pretty much so for me it's like well that's where my network is you know um that's where i, I already have people who could be relevant to you um and that's usually like a good kind of pitching sign um i've also got some like um i've also got a good video case study of um, a client i work with in boston who did some like great work for us just on like how good it's been to work with us and also like how the time zone and all that stuff isn't really much of a a kind of difference uh for them so but yeah i think that's the big thing is like it's just where your network is isn't it you know mm. you can, with the like how connected we are in this day and age you can kind of do any market right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, to be honest so yeah and then and then have you found a lot of people say the fees are bigger in america 
have you like have you found it easier to obviously you did a bit in the uk obviously you'll know uk people in in your office unless they all do us but like ha, have you found that you've been able to negotiate um higher percentages it's a good question um yeah so we don't we don't do too much in the uk we do have some we do have some clients in the uk and we have a guy who does europe as well but um yeah on the whole i'd say negotiation in the us is yeah it's usually pretty reasonable you usually get pretty close to what you're well, on average what would you say the average percentage is typically because in the uk it's i mean if you're in a good place it's like 20 maybe more than that right if you if you if you're decent um but a lot of people be working at 15 percent during this period they would have drawn that potential to 10 percent and under like so what what have you found has typically been the sort of average percentage you've been able to lock yeah in? good question i i think on average it probably is 20 um or, or maybe slightly higher i'd say 20 and we get a few at 22 and a half 25 so yeah. probably 20 and then, and then the salaries tend to be bigger there. yeah so the salaries are pretty good to be fair especially when you're doing states like new york um you know like san francisco as well just like the standard of living is so much higher and i remember like one of my first first calls at org 3d like bear in mind the background i'd come from i was on like 250 pound a month like training to be <laughs> it was not a lucrative like i remember in may in my like big big month of commission i it would have taken like 12 years to earn that i was like really i remember working it out it was something insane yeah so um but yeah um i can't remember saying that oh yeah so so one of my first phone calls and i you know obviously asking like so what are your expectations for your next role and the guy said something like 100k and i like nearly fell off my chair <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to be professional though on the phone like oh yeah yeah sure sure and i was like oh my gosh this is like a whole new world to me so but yeah the salaries over there are pretty good so what's been your average fee yeah so our average fee as a company is around 15k pounds pounds yeah so that's not bad that is it yeah no it's not bad but like i've had i mean in the US, I mean, that's like a company average, right? And we, we, we do different different geographies. But in the US, like I had two two this year. One was forty k dollars, one was thirty k dollars. So yeah, you can get some you can get some pretty decent fees over there. Okay, so let's just talk a bit about being on furlough. Great start to the year. Coronavirus hits. Obviously, America's been hit bad as well, right? um how how like what what was going through your head like i don't know how did you do so how long was your furlough for uh six weeks how like how was it um yeah it's funny like i think you've put it in a good way there like that was my mindset like i'd had a really good q1 um i had i had some stuff that was going into q2 um some solid like last minute deals that were pulled um as everyone probably has experienced but yeah from like a psych psychological standpoint i was like yeah this can be a tremendous year then all of a sudden like the rugs pulled from underneath your feet and you know things dropped out super quick and all that but yeah for me furlough was like it was okay you know i just tried to make the most of it um because i knew that it was the best thing for the company i think like it's i, I really feel for people um who who were on furlough um you know some people say oh well it's you know it's you're off and you're getting paid so what but i think like for me or from my perspective like when you're like part of a company and the type of people that like good recruiters are and the type of people we try to hire like they really really want to help that company in a tangible way and they want to make a difference and the hardest thing to do when you have that mindset i think is to sit sit on the bench so to speak and not be able to make a tangible difference so i think like that bit is hard um but yeah i just kind of tried to make the most of it and just think well it's the best thing for the company so i will you know i'm uh, i'm sacrificing myself in a different way i'm not doing the hard bd yards but i am saving them you know cash flow and helping them and just doing what's right for them so that's kind of how i viewed it really i just took loads of time to read try and do some things i enjoyed and relax um and i've come back nice and fresh but yeah my two um the two people in my team they're coming back on first of july so not long now but they've been off even longer than me i stayed on for a little while so they've been off quite a while and yeah they're just chomping at the bit to get back and i think that's a big thing i've noticed since returning is like 
part of like life for me and like not to get too deep but it's really about doing something purposeful like finding something meaningful and like adopting responsibility and like really going for that goal and i think like when you can't work that's like really hard to do because yeah. a lot of people's goals and purpose and what they want to achieve is around their career right so sure. yeah it, it it was difficult in some ways but also yeah i tried to take it as like right this is the only chance i'll get before i retire to do this try and try and be positive and just try and do what i can do and yeah just did some golf did some reading and all that stuff so yeah right. it was okay it was okay but i'm glad to be back and what what was it like getting back because i think this is what's going to be interesting right i recorded a podcast earlier with i think i think there's a bit of a balance that like six weeks on furlough like my my, my girlfriend's been on furlough from the very beginning and it's been a roller coaster right good days bad days more productive weeks, less productive weeks. But I think if you're someone that's found it really hard to be productive and you get the analogy that a lot of people have been using, which I think is a good one, is off the bench and, and, and on, on the pitch, right? Yeah. Like that, it's going to be, you're gonna, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks as to what the market's actually like, right? So as you said, you've been solidly business development you need to get business on roles that you can work because i'm assuming that you had a significant drop um in in positions so coming back off furlough relax as you said golf reading relaxed into the quote-unquote real world what was that what was it actually like what 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 was you most surprised about yeah um i think i i slightly underestimated how difficult those first few days would be if i'm being honest <laughs> it's a super um swift and hard-hitting transition from doing from doing absolutely uh nothing to um you know being like 100 miles an hour again you know that, that that's like a really hard transition i think like again going back to this and earlier is like don't be too hard on yourself in those first few days because <laughs> it is difficult as much as i was excited to get back so that was the the first thing um I think, yeah, like in terms of market, um, it was actually for me, um, strangely, it's been better than I expected. Um, and I don't mean to sound positive, like everything's fine. It certainly isn't at all. Um, and yeah, my big push and our company's big push is still very much on jobs and business development. But yeah, that period, like just before I went on furlough, um, yeah, that was probably like for me, like just like the lowest or like, the lowest point in terms of like ability to succeed because I think it was just like I was just making so many calls and it was the same thing everywhere everyone was in a state of panic no one was hiring yeah we had offers pulled as everyone probably did as I said and demand just fell through the floor so I think like the positive is that I think things are certainly picking up a bit or certainly in my um kind of area anyway, I can't can't speak for for recruitment in general but I certainly feel from what I'm hearing that things are starting to pick up a bit um which is good um but I think yeah just like don't be too too hard on yourself in those first first okay. few days yeah. yeah I think like that was like the Cause, big cause thing what market are you in again sorry what what's yeah, what so, yeah so I specifically do sales roles uh within Broadly speaking, it's the data analytics space, but I've historically done a lot within like marketing technology. So okay. Marketing, so analytics. how have you been approaching business development, Connor? Because that's going to be a push that everyone's going to be told that they need to focus on. You need to get jobs, need to like new with new clients or even existing clients. But like, how have you been approaching it and how's it been going? Yeah, good, good question. Um, first, first, like first back, like my first week was really like, yeah, is there any low-hanging fruit, which is like reach back out to all existing um, clients, see what's happening on their end. You know, a lot can change in a short space of time, right? And six weeks is a decent period considering what's been going on. So that was my first port of call for like BD is like, right, what's out there? Um, secondly, was like who have I had conversations with? You know, I always keep a list of like people I've had meaningful conversations with, people who reply or at least engage with you as a recruiter you know they're at least more likely to have a conversation so that was like my first like week's project really was like re-engage with all customers uh, and also candidates as well right see what they're doing they're like super important obviously a lot of them have been hard hit by layoffs um you know they've, they've been let go or they've left of their own accord with, with things happening as well so yeah i think that that was my first week really it was like reconnect with everyone. yeah that makes sense that's like the hardest bit, I think, actually, going from like 
you know, when you're used to having, if you've been up and running, you're used to having a pipeline, you're used to talking about interviews, talking about CVs, and a couple of people in the cyber team have carried on. So when I'm coming back and my big achievement is like, oh, I spoke to a couple of people today and they're like, oh, I've got an interview. And it, it's hard mentally, actually. So I think like be prepared for that. If there's people in your business who have still been going, try and remember that like you're coming back to a standing yeah, start. Like, you may as well start again, you know? Yeah. So that was like a really big thing. It was like, yeah, it's like starting again almost. So yeah, BD, I initially reached out to all those people and it's really been, yeah, back to the drawing board. And we're, we're having a lot of conversations at the moment. I think this is important for companies as well. It's like taking this time to really think, innovate and create like new strategies and, um, you know, just kind of try different things. Um, it's not to say t- to be reckless and abandon what you're doing if it's working. But I think like we've certainly we're going to come out of this with some new business development strategies for sure. I mean, we've typically, you know, gone out and spec'd out candidates quite a lot and that that works and has had success and it's having more success now than it did two months ago right for sure we've had a couple of clients and a couple of interviews however you know in where we're normally in a very candidate short market and the market ain't working and everyone will speak to an overachieving salesperson as you said that's changed big time and so yeah so we're looking at you know how we can sell in terms of our, our services as as a product you know in terms of can we help people hire for example by saving them kind of revenue if we were to do a 12-month contract you know there's lots of various kind of innovate. yeah 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 really yeah um yeah so, so that's kind of a big thing we're doing at the moment and seeking you know help and really reaching out to those people who are also business leaders particularly like my, my boss is doing that and just getting some really solid advice on like what what's working because i think i hate that word everyone says it you know unprecedented but it is different for sure and yeah what's like worked in the past might not work now so i think that's the thing is to be able to like embrace change as well and that's something we're experimenting with using for example video voice notes trying loads of different things not just always pitching out candidates trying a different approach so Mm. yeah just really yes and obviously and then obviously so when you came back you had zero jobs (laughs) <laughs> yeah zero job and then so where are you at now so it's three weeks in being the business development been trying different things where you like yeah. how many live jobs have you managed to pull i've got and obviously so gone yeah i've got five five live jobs and one of those uh is a retainer so i've sold my yeah let's talk retainer. about that yeah and obviously <laughs> like so before this had you ever sold a retainer i've never sold a retainer <laughs> <laughs> love <laughs> that yeah how, so how like, where'd that come from how that? How yeah. do you approach that? How did you communicate that? Yeah, uh, well, I think there's a couple of like factors to it. Firstly, like as a company, we're trying to have more emphasis on retained work, and at least like instill that into us as a mindset. Because I think it's one of the old classics, isn't it? Like if you don't ask, you don't get. And yeah, I think I've never had a retainer, but how many times have I really asked for one? Like <laughs> probably not very often. Uh, I've actually got another proposal outstanding at the minute, so could be another one but that's the thing is i think is just getting into the habit of like asking um making that a cultural thing of like right okay if we're gonna negotiate our terms which is how this one came about um if we're gonna negotiate something what can we get in return and and that's really what we do is getting creative with a fee structure that was going to be a good offering to the to the client obviously also if we can get something up front we're flexible on how that works um but yeah i think that was a big thing like a like a, a company level awareness of like this is a good thing to be doing and people do it i think often recruiters think like they don't really buy into it themselves i think they just think oh we're contingent and then they don't really ask so i think that was a big thing Uh, we're actually doing some recruitment um sorry like retainer specific training next week as well so we're getting someone in to help us um, do some specific training but yeah in short how this one came about was yet to ask but also it was like it was i mean this was a client that i've worked with before so I had yeah, that. I've, yeah, it, it's my biggest client personally. I'd placed quite a few people. Um, he helped me a lot last year, and and has already made um, you know some some purposeful um, kind of strides this year as well. So that helps. I had the buy-in with him. He knows that I service him. I think. I, I think the, the key thing there, Connor, and a lot of, a lot of people could have just you've done you've the way that you've done it is the way that you've always done it, right? And you wouldn't of won that retainer or got that retained work if you didn't ask. And I think that's no. that's part of it, isn't it? 
that's the big thing. Like he was prepared to give it, but I just didn't ask him. Exactly. <laughs> like he, he I, I remember on the call yesterday, I thought I was getting to the crunch moment of like, right, here's what I want. Um, and I thought, right, I was bracing myself for the objections. I was kind of prepared, right? What's he going to say? And he was like, yeah, he's like, I don't see an issue. You know, um, you need some commitment that I'm going to make a hire. So that's fine. And he just like that. came through it. But think in your head sometimes, I, I, I'm often guilty of this actually. Um, I had a really good placement come from someone who I wasn't going to call because I didn't think the company was going to be relevant. And it turned around in a week and it was a 20 grand placement in the US. And I thought, I, I was like, not going to call him. And my boss was like, no, just give him a call. That was pure luck because it was like an American um, guy and it was like an Italian company and the CEO was in London. I was just like, oh, I can't see this panning out. And anyway, yeah, that happened. It happened to me again with like a Swiss company. I got a roll on with them in the US. They had no one in the US. And I was like, oh, he's not going to be looking. And it came on. So I think that's a good lesson is sometimes you can put your own mindset and thoughts mm. into the other person and you project that. And that yeah, talks sure. you out of so many questions. So I think, yeah, just like get rid of that and ask the question and you might be surprised by the answer. <laughs> and, and look, before before we finish, what, what's, because I think a lot of people can get value out of this. What, as you said, you've been trying different things, you've been trying to innovate. What, what have you noticed in the last two weeks that sort of helped you cut through or sort of that has had a bit of an impact on the business development side that you've noticed? I don't know if it's sending out video outreaches or voice notes. I don't know. Is there anything that sort of you've actually been really surprised with that's that's done really well? Or yeah, I mean, we're certainly we're certainly trying video. That's like obviously a big thing. We've not done it long enough to see if it's having huge results. To be to be honest, um, but yeah, that's certainly something we're trying. LinkedIn connects um, is something that sometimes we forget about, but actually just putting a little pitch in there and get, getting them connected. And then, you, then when, once they're connected, you can send them a personalized video or a voice note. That helps. Um, and something I've been doing on my voicemails that actually I've had a few callbacks from. Um, and even if they don't call me back, they'll reply to the email, which is quite nice. I don't have to leave them another four voicemails that week. Um, is my last line, I just say, if I don't hear from you, I'll follow up with you on wednesday or thursday or whatever and they know i'm coming for them then and they <laughs> give me a call back so that that's actually something someone told me nice I little tactic it. yeah i like read that. it on linkedin but it seems to work to be fair they seem to be uh, you know not on everyone for sure those people don't listen to voicemails but yeah i've had a bit more response and a few engagements from callbacks actually from just letting them know if they don't call me back i'll be calling them again so. love that so look um connor before we finish if i'm if I'm listening up right now and I'm a recruiter, I'm, I'm due to come back off furlough July the first. You've been in the, you've been back off, obviously back on the pitch now for the last couple of weeks. What, what should I be thinking about, and what would you be saying to me? Yeah, I think firstly, something I said to shared with my own team was um, my mindset was like this is going to be hell, but I was prepared for it. I was like, you know, this is just part of what we have to get through. But that's because the experience I had prior to furlough. It's very different in the market now. It is picking up a bit. So I think first mentally, try and stay positive. Um, I read a really good book just before I came back that I'm convinced has helped me. I think it helped me with the retainer. It's not a sales book, but I think the mentality of the book helped me with the retainer. Uh, it's called The Obstacle is the Way by yes, Ryan Holiday. Such a good book. Um, I've had a few people recommend that. So, But I think that actually helped me because my client threw up an obstacle and the the resolution has led to a retainer and of no less of a fee so i think that that book helped me but it also helped me mentally just be prepared um for things and just have a good mindset so i think that's the key thing is be optimistic because it's not all doom and gloom and it's not as bad as when you were last on furlough i think um come back with high levels of energy and activity i think that's the key thing it's still like pretty big on quantity at the minute just by nature of the market but i think also like don't be too hard on yourself as well um, and continue to to kind of learn and develop and feed your mind with positivity um, between now and your return and particularly um, when you get back in those mornings just feed your mind with positivity I think it's I think that's really helpful given the circumstances we're in um, yeah finally keep your end goals in mind that's helping me remember why you're doing it and that this will pass this will love pass. that honestly con absolutely love uh the mindset you've cultivated mate honestly i think it's uh awesome um so look, last question what what's connor most excited about in a post-covid world what are you most excited to do professionally personally <laughs> what are you what are you excited about 
personally i'm most excited about going on a holiday <laughs> i love traveling i had a i had a trip to italy booked to go back to rome i had a, a cruise booked as well and obviously they've they've hit the dust so i'm super excited to personally to get back on a holiday professionally i'm actually really excited uh, as corny as this sounds it's true to get back into the office properly i'm doing like one day a week at the minute but there's only four of us in it's all very like surgical, obviously, with distancing. But to be able to get back in the office and just have that buzz, and I think that's going to like just drive everyone on. And I know that we'll all achieve so much more together when we've all got that, yeah, kind of togetherness in the office. So professionally, I'm really looking forward to actually getting back in the office. Home working's been great, but yeah, there's nothing like that buzz on a sales floor in the afternoon. Well, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Thank Lucia. you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazuz and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.